and welcome to the First Rule of Film Club. I'm Hannah. I'm Eddie. And I'm Alex. And each week we come together to watch a film and have a little chat about it. And given it's Christmas month, we're doing <gasps> a Christmas string of films. Nice. So what have we watched this week? This week we've watched Princess Switch 2, mm. Switched Again. Whoa. That's right. They said it would never happen. Do you have a synopsis? Because I don't have a synopsis. The plot is so convoluted and so insane. <laughs> yeah, I think the synopsis will probably just leave most of it yeah. to the imagination. Yeah. The synopsis is they switch again, switch again. That's like, It's a good subtitle because in the first film, <laughs> they switch places, and in this one, they switch again. That's <laughs> it, really. That's Do you want to know what IMDb went for? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. When Duchess Margaret unexpectedly inherits the throne to Montanaro and hits a rough patch with Kevin... It's up to her double, Stacey, to save the day before a new lookalike party girl, Fiona, foils their plans. Wow. See, I didn't even know her name was Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell the film's bad, but it's like you don't know the names of any of the characters because they just haven't affected you in any way. Okay, wait. Before yeah. we get too yeah. into the myriad of weird little issues in this film, what was your overview and what did you think? Like, I know you guys are going to slag it off, right? <laughs> but... <laughs> it's going to be rough for you. <laughs> I liked this film. I thought it was actually better than the first one. And also, it served its purpose. Like, it's not saying it's high art. It's a film to be watched and enjoyed. It's just a bit of fluff. Like, it was fun, and we had a fun time, like, making mm. little jokes about it while we were watching it. And to be honest, there's so many films I've watched where I finished them and thought, that was completely boring. Like, I didn't even think anything of it. At least this one made me laugh, unlike Holiday, which was just meh in every way. <laughs> To be honest, I disagree. I think <clears throat> what you just described there is how I felt about this film. Like, <laughs> I know it's not trying to be high art. And I'm not judging it in that way. I'm not expecting it to be. In fact, I would actually hate the film if it was being like that. Like, if, it, if, I, went, if I went into The Princess Switch 2, Switched Again, and it was actually like a, a really shocking like you know, depiction of the Holocaust in the Second World War, that would not be a good film. You know, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That wouldn't be right. That would be like, Even if they did it really well, I would just think, what, where the hell has this come from? <laughs> so I'm judging it from what I expected, and it was just... I think the problem I had with this film, it just felt flat. Like, it just felt really lifeless. The actors felt like they didn't want to be there. There was no energy mm. in any of the scenes. Like No, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Objection. <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens put so much effort into her portrayal of those three characters. Like, for me, her acting was actually great in this film. When Fiona was pretending to be Princess Margaret, Margaret you could tell it was Fiona pretending to be Princess Margaret rather than Stacey pretending to be Princess Margaret. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you've had your say. I agree with Eddie, this film was shit. <laughs> but I agree that if you watch it with the right people, it can be fun. But it's just like, I mean, I had to put so much effort into this movie to find it fun. It was just, I mean, to laugh at it, it's kind of funny, but it's not even its not even that bad, it's good. You know, it's not yeah. even, there's there's better rubbish films I could watch to get a laugh I have, Yeah, I have one. a sneaking suspicion I could have watched Paint Dry with the right people yeah. and yeah. had just as much fun yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> the film, it says more about the company who you yeah. watch it with than the quality of the film itself. It's just the actors felt like they didn't want to be there. Like, they just... And I know it's hard. It must be incredibly difficult to act against yourself. So fair play to Vanessa Hudgens. Like, it's hard to do a line when the other, the other you isn't there. You've got to, you know, record it in two separate sessions, but... Everyone just felt bored when they delivered their lines. There was no energy. There was no, like, pace. There was no, like, rushing. Everyone just was like, oh, you have to get back with Kevin. Oh, but I don't know if he likes <laughs> yeah. me. No, I think he does. You should ask him out. Oh, no, I don't know if he does, though. Oh, well, maybe we should switch again, and then you might fall back in love. Okay, let's do that then. Okay. It was a little bit flat. I think the first sort of 30 minutes was a bit like that, but then once 
uh, Fiona arrived, the one with the long blonde hair. I thought she did inject a bit of energy, and I wondered whether Stacy and Margaret had been so low energy in the beginning because they weren't doing anything new. You know, like, their characters, they were just kind of living their lives and Margaret's stressed out and stuff. It wouldn't be high energy in that situation, whereas she wanted to have an impact when Fiona came in. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay. you think there's an artistic choice to make the first 30 minutes really boring? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. I thought Vanessa was trying really hard. Like, I, I agree with you. Vanessa was giving it her all. She was doing a bit. Um... But I think it was more of like a, the way it was structured, like the direction she must have received and stuff. Like, because acting against yourself is more about what people tell you is happening because you can't see someone talking yeah. to you. Uh, so I think like the scenes just did feel so slow when she was talking to herself. Mm. And I think that was because like they didn't have it like as snappy as they needed it to be. Yeah. Like, it was like it was a bit of a delay. In a they'd, bit. Yeah, they'd, there must have been a delay or something on the film set of when they told her to speak. I think the thing that was really sad for me was in the first one, Kevin brought quite a lot of energy and like snappiness to it. You know, he was like our favourite one in the first one. Whereas yeah. in this one, something's knocked him <laughs> down, man. Like life got to him because he, he was couldn't just... handle the fame. <laughs> Even when he was supposed to be happy, he was being quite cool about it. But mm. I think he was still my favourite bit of the film, though, like his reactions. Because I think this is the sort of film where, like you say, it's a bit of a kind of wacky, silly Christmas <laughs> film you watch with the family. Yeah. So just, I don't care if everyone overacts a little bit. Like, yeah. I actually quite like the villains in this, even though they were really, like, hamming it up and, you know, mm. hitting each other and going, oh, you idiot, and, like, running around. Like, I thought that's what this film needed. Yeah, it didn't right. need the characters acting really flat. And There were a few who were quite pantomime though, that, you know, yeah. kind of tried to bring it back. Obviously, the two evil sidekick people were yeah. pretty over the top. Yeah, and I quite like them. Like, usually, I'd find them those sort of characters quite annoying. But like, the film needed someone a bit wacky, like someone a bit off the wall. Their accents were so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. Oi, mate, what are you doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But the listeners should understand that last year, we watched Princess Switch 1. And it was like a big family thing. And we loved it. And like, you know, it was just a fun Christmas film. So when we heard that Princess Switch 2 was coming out this year, we had like a certain invested interest and we wanted to you mm. know, like see if they could capture the magic again, <laughs> I guess. If lightning could strike twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, if you've seen Princess Switch 2 on its own and you haven't seen Princess Switch 1, do yourself a favour and jump back into the shit pile and watch Princess <laughs> yeah. Switch 1. But punish yourself again yeah. knowing what you're getting into. One character who was massively elevated in this film versus in Princess Switch 1 was uh, Prince Edward. Dry lunch, as I call him. Yeah. <laughs> he was so bland in the first half. Just like We were joking he was like an AI. You know, he just <laughs> sat there. Like If someone said something a bit weird to him, he kind of... Did not compute, no programmed response for that. Mm. But um, but then I started to feel really sorry for him because Stacy was just treating him so badly and he was so out of the loop. He was just a massive punching bag, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, the character just walked all over him. And I think the problem, the plot just doesn't really make any sense because the two princes have to switch because the, the real princess is too busy so she doesn't have time for her boyfriend. So they go, okay, we'll switch, we'll switch. Okay, so what's on your schedule tomorrow just so I know what you're doing? And then it's like, oh, no, I've only got one thing on tomorrow. I just need to go to this ball for like an hour. It's like, I thought you said you were busy all the time. Like, that's why you have to switch. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Also, if you were going to switch, you would tell Prince Edward. Like, what's the harm in that? Tell your boyfriend you're going to switch with your twin because, you know, what happens if, you know, he comes in and, you know, he's naked or whatever, you know, he's, he's got some champagne, mm. some rose petals on the bed. There's so many things that could have gone wrong with this plan that didn't have to go wrong, mm. you know? 
And I, I felt so bad for Prince Edward because early on in the film, you'd be forgiven for really hating him. Prince Edward's just like a simp, basically. Like he's just <laughs> he's just lusting after his wife, and like he, he's not thinking how about dare. anything how, else. How dare he love his wife and want her to spend time with him? Yeah, but like he's not thinking about anything else. He's a it's bit like, spineless. Yeah, it's like basically it's like oh, I just want her to be happy so that I can then be happy as a result of her being happy. Like he, he has he's not living his own life. Mm. Yeah. And then um, later on in the film, he just gets so crushed by all these other people. And he's just like, he's obviously kind of doing nothing wrong. He's just a simp, you know, that is kind of sad. Like even in the resolution of the film, like the final scene, it is kind of sad. You know, you just see Prince Edward as like this mm. archetypal man under the boot of this, yeah. you know, of this woman who's yeah. going to do whatever she wants to do. There were some sort of messages as well in the whole Prince Edward plot, which I thought were surprisingly not woke for nowadays. Like, <laughs> At the beginning, Vanessa Hudgens makes a sort of statement saying, like, oh, well, men don't know what they want, so, like, like men <laughs> just can be moved around by women because yeah. they're, they're pawns or something. Yeah. yeah, we're pawns in your little game. That's kind of true, though, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, men are their own people, <laughs> just like women. Not according to this film. Every man in this film is basically a moron, a simp or an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Like, or a taxi driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a magical taxi driver. <laughs> A, a magical taxi driver who gets you to the airport a bit late. <laughs> Just basically every taxi driver. <laughs> such a great scene. And then it didn't even matter that they were late because the flight was still taking off at the time it was taking off. Oh, yeah. Like, what was the point of them being late if they still made the flight? Like, they they might as well have just arrived on time. Yeah. yeah. I think they were really trying hard to create this kind of really iconic, like, kind of wacky, kooky moment where all oh, the characters, how about they get married in the airport? And, like, the vicar, he's about to get on the flight, so he's like, he's got his coffee in his hand and he has to do it really quickly. Won't that be really funny? But it's, it's not. Nothing in this film is funny. Like, they, they've tried to create these kind of wacky situations, but... It feels like they had a checklist, yeah, right? Yeah. We need the old man with a flat cap. Someone yeah. ran in last minute and was like, you know what, Christmas spirit, who is the character embodying the Christmas spirit? Yeah, right. Oh, taxi driver, yeah. flat cap, he can Tick. just drive them to the airport and do something that slightly helps them. Or, well, he know. was in the first one, so I think they were probably like, oh, it would be cool if we brought him back and yeah. had the spirit of Christmas type oh, thing. Oh, he was in the first one? Yeah. Okay. But, but Tick, he's in there. Moment where Vanessa Hudgens falls over, because that's funny, Tick. Uh, yeah. Classic misunderstanding, Tick. Yeah. You know. Uh, drug one of the characters and kidnap them, put them in the yeah. back of a van. Yeah, gee, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every Christmas movie needs that. Yeah. So family friendly. Yeah. <laughs> this film, to be fair, was quite inconsistent because, you know, Margaret is like so concerned with protocol in so many ways of saying, you know, it won't work with me and Kevin because we're from different worlds, etc., etc. I've got to become queen. But then. At the same time, she's like, oh, well, let's just get married in an airport. Even though I'm pretty sure if you were in actually in a wo- royal family, they'd be pretty specific about how they wanted to be. If Harry and Meghan got married in an airport, I think the Queen would be a bit annoyed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, like, there'd be some expectation that mm. certain people would be there, like prime ministers. And Although getting married in an airport isn't a bad idea because there's loads of restaurants, there's a lot mm. of space. Quite convenient for the honeymoon. Exactly, yeah. Hop straight on the plane. You don't need a car with tin oh cans God, at the yeah. back of it. Tie the tin cans to the back of the plane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. it's perfect. I also like how the airport was the same airport from Kissing Booth 2. 
It made me laugh that you knew that so quickly as well. <laughs> it's part of all the, the Netflix cinematic universe, though. It's all, you know, they're all, all the characters are going to come together in one, you know, great Netflix special and they're going to fight crime. <laughs> Infinity Christmas. <laughs> Let's just quickly broach the fact that Anthony is completely, like, underused, under... Like, he, he doesn't really make any sense in this film. Who's because Anthony? The advisor. The advisor, yes. He's trying to snake Kevin to get to Margaret so that he can, like, kind of marry her, I guess, or whatever mm. he's going to do, and control the world of Montanaro. <laughs> 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 what a plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know I say it out loud. Anthony's the best character in this movie. He's just, like, he turns up at the beginning, tries to snake Kevin, and then he disappears for almost the entire film <laughs> and then comes back at the end just to, just to fail, basically. Mm. And it's like there's no point when Anthony's ever going to succeed in this movie, is there? It just... Well, the the villains are just so dumb, because... So the evil Vanessa Hudgens comes in, she kidnaps one of the real, nice Vanessa Hudgens. It's just so confusing. Stacy. Yeah. And then they realise that straight away. And then there's a whole bit where they're running around going, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then they just turn up to the, the coronation that the evil queen's at and say, oh, by the way, that's not the real her. So arrest her. And then they get arrested. Mm. That's how it gets resolved. Yeah, I didn't feel like Fiona really saved it when she realised that they'd kidnapped the wrong one. She was kind of like, oh, don't move her. Don't bother to like change where you are where they've clearly figured out where we're hiding. I'm just going to move the coronation up to tonight, even though that's absurd. It's not a very exciting plot when the resolution is just tell the police, oh, by the way, that person's a baddie, and then they just arrest them. That's right, actually. like, There's actually no reason why it couldn't have been resolved faster than that. Yeah. Because Margaret's talking to Fiona and realising something's up almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, straight away, as soon as... Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the yes. next scene. The, pl- like, the plan never really gets off the ground. <laughs> You're never like, oh, God, how are they going to come back from this? What are they going to do? It's just it's so easily resolved. What yeah. would have been better is if um, then they had used Anthony. You get the impression Margaret has kind of come back. She hasn't been to Montanaro for a while. She's a bit unsure about how to lead. So it would be realistic that Anthony would then be kind of forcing her hand and telling prime ministers and the archbishops and stuff what to do and stuff and then he could have framed stacy and the real margaret and then that would have been much more satisfying mm. because he would have had a real all hope is lost type moment mm. yeah. rather than what happened where you were just like well there's no jeopardy because there's so many people who know the truth mm. who are integral to the palace that there's no danger really that fiona's going to actually be instated as a monarch mm. yeah i think netflix they're, they're just trying and trying, and I feel sorry for them. They're trying to make a great Christmas <laughs> film. Like I don't feel sorry for them. I can tell they are, because at this point I've watched Christmas Inheritance, Christmas Prince 1, 2, and 3, The Night Before Christmas, Princess Switch 1 and 2, The Christmas Chronicles 1, The Christmas Chronicles 2, and they've all been rubbish. <laughs> they haven't, they've, they've thrown so much shit at the wall, and none of it has stuck. It has all plopped to the floor in a big congealed pile, and they just... I don't know. I feel sorry. I really want them to make a good Christmas film. Yeah, me too. They just, I don't know. They just haven't got the formula right. They just... There's no magic. <laughs> yeah, there isn't. That's the thing. When you watch stuff like Home Alone, there, there is just a bit of that magic to it. It's too perfect, really. Yeah. I think. It's just too perfect. Yeah. I think as well, it's that you can tell it was filmed in summer. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, there's no magic. There's no like festive feeling or anything like that. There's no emotional pun doesn't feel Christmassy yeah like we all burst out laughing when they were decorating the castle it's like this great montage of them looking weird decorating yeah. stuff and like eyeing each other up in weird ways yeah. and then at the end the whole place is like 
decorated with a million like pieces of tinsel yeah. and whatever. And you're like, there's no way they could have done that. It's too perfect. Like, there's just not a single speck of dust out of place in their Christmas decorations. It doesn't feel like a real world as well. Like, like you're saying, where the, the five of them seem to be the only characters in the whole of this giant palace. You never yeah. see like any random staff just walking around. Like, it just feels like the world the entire world is empty apart from these like five or six characters mm. yeah. and there's no the world isn't breathing it's not living it's just also at least in princess switched one you got to go into like belgravia town center and see a bit of like the <laughs> yeah. normal people of belgravia and what they do whereas in this one montanaro as far as we're concerned is literally the palace and the church yeah. oh no and that like kids concert the the children oh yeah, yeah. and, and st michael's orphanage yeah, that's the entirety of montanaro it's a living breathing ecosystem yeah. I, I am kind of a little bit sick it sounds really like scroogey but i'm just sick of princesses and films always going on about like oh, I, oh, I, oh no i'm late for the child's orphanage thing like that always the sign of like oh this shows that this character's really nice because she's always like as a princess all she ever does is go to like children's orphanages it's always the orphanages actually in the first film that was true as well that the presence for that kid's orphanage was how her and some person met or something. yeah it's all they ever do like and i appreciate they're trying to make the character seem nice i'm not against giving money to the orphanages but there's other problems the country has, I'm sure, that she needs to sort out. Yeah, very true. And what I don't buy as well here is that Kevin and Margaret get back together at the end of the film, but it's never really specified at the beginning why they stopped going out, <laughs> and it's not specified at the end of the film what's changed. Like, why are they now back in love? Mm. Like, what went wrong? Yeah, because when they're in that little fairground place, mm. they say something like, oh, I thought you just wanted to be friends. And then she says oh, I thought you just wanted to be friends. Oh, oh my God, I can't believe that we broke up over that. <laughs> <laughs> Problem resolved. Yeah, it's like they don't really get into the meaty thing because I thought they were going to talk about like maybe Kevin's a bit controlling mm. or, you know, he tries to put her in an oven because he thinks he can bake yeah. her or something. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been something normal, like Kevin has a business back in Chicago. She's yeah. going to have to move to Montanaro. Mm. That puts strain on relationships. But exactly. instead it was just kind of like oh i just thought you wouldn't want me in your life anymore well no because kevin can just drop everything and go to montanaro for like x number like an indeterminate he can leave his business his bakery business that's kind of fine Mm. (laughs) that was just like i was so unsatisfied by the fact that they just got back together for no reason yeah there's no resolution there's no arc i don't feel like the characters learned anything like none of the characters really evolved or grew or changed or discovered anything or learned anything they just kind of walk, they just sort of walked around for two hours and then the they're like little just robots. Kind of yeah. The Fiona kind of learned that she was a baddie. Yeah. That was good, yeah. <laughs> right. But you're right, the rest of them didn't really have an arc. And then you know at the end when Princess Margaret says to Anthony, Oh, you keep on telling me I'm not ready to rule, but actually I've never been more ready in my entire life. But I kind of thought, well, there should have been a moment when something happened yeah. where there was a crisis and she had to resolve it and she was looking to someone else to do it for her and then they couldn't help for whatever reason and she did it. There wasn't that moment, so that line didn't have any kind of, yeah, you've earned this, you do, you are ready to rule. You kind of just thought, well, you're the same person you were at the beginning of the film, perfectly capable, yeah. but the, nothing's happened to you. Such an unearned line. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Also, I don't want to be that guy and like super nitpicky, but at the end, there's a the characters from A Christmas Prince, the other Netflix Christmas film, like are there at the coronation. They're sort of clapping and applauding and stuff. Yeah. But in the first film of this, they watch A Christmas Prince on Netflix during that film. 
So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's so I don't good. want to be that guy. I know it's very nitpicky, but you can't watch a film in the first one and then actually the characters from that are in the second one. This is part of the NCU, the Netflix Christmas <laughs> universe. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe in the first film when they watch The Christmas Prince... For them, that's a documentary. No, don't defend it. Don't. Because she's a journalist, don't, so it could be a documentary. Don't, no, don't defend these <laughs> films. Leave it. Leave. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> Overall, I liked it, though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'll say, because that scene at the end was what broke it for me, that the scene where she gets coronated. Coronated? Mm. Coroned? Crowned? Crowned, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so flat and boring. Like, the, the, there's the kind of the vicar there, and he's saying, oh, do you vow to be leave of this country? And the camera's not really moving. The camera goes to her, and then it cuts back to him, and then the same shot again. Mm. And it feels so bland. So I, I'm going to put two links, for anyone who's interested, which is probably no one, but I'm going to put two links in like the <laughs> description to this podcast of that scene and then the scene in Lord of the Rings where there's a coronation. Or oh, you should link the scene in The Crown as well because I've just watched that and the coronation scene in that is so incredible. Just look at the camera work because in The Princess Switch, the camera is just so still and so flat and so bland. It feels like you're just watching something play out. Whereas in Lord of the Rings, it's the same thing. Regardless of the whether, which film you prefer, which is better, I'm not saying that, but you just feel like you're actually in the scene just from like the subtle movements of the camera just look at those two scenes and look at the difference like it's staggering especially when you compare princess switch to last week's film home alone mm. which i'd say are at a similar audience home alone there are so many loving little touches like when he's running along the road and all the lights turn on on the timers mm. which is a call back to earlier in the film or whenever he's looking at a baddie and the camera's angled kind of down mm. there is lots to look at that's interesting Whereas in Princess Switch, they kind of rely on just the fact that all the clothes are super bright and they've turned the saturation way up and mm. they've got lights everywhere and stuff. That's what's holding your attention rather than actually putting effort into the camera work. Think about how many lines and scenes you remember from Home Alone versus Princess Switch. I actually was struggling to remember most of the characters' yeah. names. Yeah, I <laughs> And I wanted to throw in some quotes of like awful moments in the movie. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what they said. It just feels like there was no passion in it. Like, I don't mind, like, a bit of a rubbish Christmas film if it feels like there's passion in it or it feels like, you know, they they, they were at least having fun making the film. Mm. But there just wasn't really any, any charm in this. Are we ready to move on to the ratings? Yeah. Because I'm ready. I'm ready. I think I've been thinking about it and I'm ready to give this film a 2 out of 10. <laughs> 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 oh my god completely justified by the whole of this podcast yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna be slightly more generous and give it a three but i still think it was <laughs> honestly i'm not just saying this to be like mean i'm not saying this to be horrible like i generally just thought it was a bad film oh. i was gonna give it a six and a half well do it that's your prerogative yeah, that's fine that's not well the thing is when we started this podcast i was like yeah princess switch i really enjoyed watching that it was so much fun yeah and, and then since we've been down. no don't let no i don't want to you know i think what I this do. podcast has made me realize is why it didn't click why there isn't that moment at the end when you think oh i'm so happy that they're getting married you know like i can't deny that was missing but then at the same time like this film comes into the genre of Films that you watch with your friends to slag off when you've had a few beers. Mm. And in that category, I'd say it did a passable job. So yeah. in that category, I'm going to give it a six and a half. I don't think it's the best film to, to ever sit in that category. Mm. It's no The Room. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's also not 
holiday. I think that's a good justification. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So, yeah, well. Cool. We have been asking you what your favourite So Bad It's Good Christmas films were. Oh. And we had some responses. We had a response from Fergus. Oh, yes. Who said, A Christmas Prince. <laughs> what, he thought it was so bad it was good? Yeah. No, I'd say that's so bad it was rubbish. It wasn't even. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought that was so bad it was good. I completely agree with that. Christmas Prince was sort of what started off this whole Christmas so bad it's good thing the on MCU Netflix. The started. Yeah. <laughs> if I could go back in time and assassinate anyone, it would be the director of that film because that like, caused so much. <laughs> Jeez <laughs> Louise. Because <laughs> that's where it all started. That's where, for me... That would be a great Terminator Christmas special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My God. <laughs> a Christmas assassination. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's turned up on Netflix originals yet, but maybe next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sarah said, A Christmas Horror Story. Oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that either. I haven't seen that one either, but let me just tell you what they said on the poster for it. Okay. A gift of holiday cheer and insane bloody violence. (laughs) That sounds quite good. Yeah, let's do it. I saw one, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was like a Finnish movie where it was about Santa and he becomes a cannibal and starts hunting people down and eating them. Mm, is that called Krampus or something like that? Maybe. Okay, here's the synopsis. Interwoven stories that take place on Christmas Eve, as told by one festive radio host, a family brings home more than a Christmas tree, a student documentary becomes a living nightmare, a Christmas spirit terrorises, Santa slays evil. <laughs> I, quite like, I quite like the sound of that. I quite yeah. like the idea of a horror Christmas film. It sounds like an anthology type thing as well. Yeah, I might give that a watch because that actually sounds quite decent. Yeah, because I suppose the only other kind of horror Christmas crossover I can think of is Nightmare Before Christmas. But even that, I'd say, is more of a Halloween film than a Christmas film. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and Lauren said The Night Before Christmas. Oh, that was nice. I never saw that one. Vanessa Hudgens is also in that one. Yeah. And basically, it's about this knight who... (laughs) gets transported forwards in time by an old crone. Oh, my God. And then, uh, for some reason, falling in love with Vanessa Hudgens is what transports him back in time. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also a similar moment in that film where halfway through they sit down and he's like, did you know that Netflix exists? You can binge watch things here. This is amazing. Come watch something with me. It really annoys me in Netflix films when they watch Netflix in Netflix and they talk about how good Netflix is. Like, it's too... It's too much. Like. <laughs> it's like I'm already here watching Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch Netflix tossing itself off, basically. That's not wow. So Netflix has gotten very good representation in these responses. Mm. And Lauren also said, any Hallmark movie ever. And so for that, I looked up some names of Hallmark films. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got Christmas Homestead. Okay. <laughs> okay. Finding Santa. <laughs> what? A Wish for Christmas. Oh, the Christmas Cottage. <laughs> oh, that one sounds good. <laughs> Just Christmas anything. Basically. Sharing Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Christmas Dece- sofa. This yeah. one's a bit of a departure from the usual. A December Bride. Ooh. And finally, The Angel of Christmas. Oh. It's kind of like an AI, just sort of name generator thing. Mm, yeah. I remember watching one actually last year that I thought would be rubbish. It's called Surviving Christmas. It had mm. Ben Affleck in it, and he's like this really rich, like selfish guy. And he pays these people to pretend to be his family because he hasn't got a family and he wants to like show this girl he's going out with like he's got a family. Yeah. And that was actually surprisingly like really good. I went in thinking that was gonna be terrible. But that I was feel like that story decent. has been done so many times though, where they kind of like Oh, and a body oh. swap one hasn't. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> Slam dunk. <laughs> so on that note, Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for all your suggestions of films that you love to hate, I guess. Yeah, we'll <laughs> take those forward, you know, yeah. we'll action those. <laughs> sorry for being Scrooge this episode, everyone. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sorry about anything. <laughs> That's my role at Christmas. I'm the sceptical, you know, sort of Scrooge in the corner, yeah. drinking the Jack Daniels fire. Yeah. <laughs> so next week, we'll be watching the new Pixar film, Soul, currently streaming on Disney+. And if the listeners want to get in touch with us to tell us their thoughts on that or on this episode, how can they do that? They can email us at filmclubrules at gmail.com. Mm, and if you're a cool cat that uses Instagram... You can find us at Film Club Rules. Perfect. I'm getting so good at remembering our Instagram yeah, handle. Yeah, it's really good. I know, I'm shocked. Thanks, everyone. Sorry Bye. for ruining Christmas. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>